Good morning, people at Springbrook. So good to see you. Uh, uh, here's some trivia. Who uh, floats like a butterfly and stings like a bee? Uh, Muhammad Ali, right? Yeah, the greatest of all time. He died on Friday at the age of 74 after a long battle with Parkinson's disease. And he always was a character. I am the greatest. I said that even before I knew I was. <laughs> you know, I'm a child of the 70s. And uh, boy, I tell you, when Muhammad Ali was fighting, it was just, uh, it was, everybody's watching. It's a cultural event. Rumble in uh, the jungle, right? <laughs> a thrill in Manila. <laughs> and him using his rope-a-dope, you know, laying against the ropes, tiring the guy out. And uh, he was just a colorful character. And the one thing that I really admire about him is that he was persistent. He had goals in life, and he just continued to move toward them, no matter what obstacles came in the way. He said this about his training. I hated every minute of training, but I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. He knew that training was part of of his goals. If he didn't train, it wasn't going to happen. It's the same way in the spiritual life. We need training as disciples in order to prepare us for life. And we need to be persistent in our Christian training just as much as Muhammad Ali was persistent uh, in his life. We're going through a series on the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. Just to catch you up here, if you haven't been here in a couple of weeks, uh, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes, and he learns of how his hometown is in ruins, Jerusalem. He says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. His heart was just broken over the state of the walls of Jerusalem and Four months of prayer. It only took 52 days to put the wall up. <laughs> but four months of prayer preparation and fasting, going without food in order to laser your target on God and say, God, this is something that I really, really want to happen. And he was doing this all in, in preparation. Uh, we see Nehemiah praying throughout <laughs> the whole book. He was a man of prayer, and he was a man of persistence. Then uh, he finally went to the king, and uh, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. Now, that's a shotgun prayer like we talked about, right? So he's just about to do it. He spent four months in prayer, but just as he's about to cross the threshold, oh, God help me, because he knew uh, that he really could get in trouble for making the ass that he did. He wanted time off his job. He asked for lumber for uh, the walls and the gates. Uh, he asked for uh, security. <laughs> and, and God turned Artaxerxes' heart because... Before, he had stopped the building at Jerusalem. But it was a miracle because of prayer that he allowed him 
uh, to do this. Now, this is a uh, map of Persia. You can see how large it was. Turkey, Afghanistan, Pakistan, uh, the Persian Empire. And again, Nehemiah was allowed to go back. I have letters that say, yeah, this guy can go through, uh, given to him by Artaxerxes. This is, again, is a, a map of the wall. And Pastor Matt did a great job last week uh, telling us uh, how the people in chapter 3, which just looks like a list, were very significant because they were all serving God. They were all working together as a team. Each had their own role to play. There are like 41 sections. It's like two miles of wall. That's like nine feet thick. The wall was nine feet thick. Can you imagine those kind of stones? Wow, they really had to work very, very hard. And some had tumbled down the hills and they had to retrieve them and, and put them up again. Well, in Nehemiah 4, uh, we have opposition. Now, we're always going to face opposition in life, right? Life is never easy. <laughs> uh, tribulation is going to come our way. Now, Sanballat, we saw him back in chapter 2 and he was having a problem. Uh, what, what Nehemiah is doing. Now he's really having a problem because Nehemiah is making progress. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged and he jeered at the Jews. Now what was wrong with this guy? Well, he was the governor of Samaria to the east of Jerusalem, or the west that is. And he kind of ruled the area. A little micro-empire there, all the other governors fell behind him. And and Jerusalem, when it was thriving, was a natural trade route. So the economy in Jerusalem, when things were going well, was very, very strong. But now that Jerusalem had broken down, now there's no trade going on there, so it came over more towards Samaria, and the area was thriving, one might say, based on the fact that Jerusalem was not there. So he did not want that wall to be built because he would lose money. He would lose a lot of money, a lot of of his greatness, uh, prestige, whatever. That's why he was so angry. He didn't want Jerusalem to be rebuilt. Jesus said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We have tribulation in a lot of areas of our lives, but if you are a shining light for Jesus, you can bank on opposition. It's coming your way. Because Satan doesn't want Jesus Christ to get any attention whatsoever. And so we need to prepare ourselves for what is going to happen. In verse 2, and Sam Bell, he said in the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? What's he doing? He's ridiculing them, isn't he? He's ridiculing them. What are these weak Jews doing? These are all rhetorical questions. <laughs> Will they restore it for themselves? No. Will they sacrifice? Will they get the sacrificial system out and start to put that back together in order to get this wall up? No. Well, will they finish up in a day? And that's really sarcastic, right? 
do the whole thing in a day. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Now, that wasn't true. The stones weren't burned. The walls, the gates had been burned. But it doesn't matter when you're ridiculing something, somebody. You're just throwing everything you got at them. It sounds like they're in junior high. It reminds you of our presidential election. Um, Nehemiah 4.3, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Yeah, thanks, Tobiah. That really wasn't needed. But they were being ridiculed. How many of you have been ridiculed by your family for being a Christ follower? Yeah, very common. How many of you have been ridiculed by your friends for following Christ? How many have been ridiculed by people at work for following Christ? Yes, friends, when you become a Christ follower, and if you're living as God desires you to live, you're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be made fun of. People are going to think that you don't have that much intelligence. Well, of course you really do. You know the Savior, and you're willing to stand for Him, and you're, you're willing to be ridiculed. In fact, as you know, to suffer for Jesus Christ is one of the greatest things we can do for Him. It brings Him so much pleasure. Nehemiah 4, 4, 5. Here, O God, now, now here's Nehemiah. So they ridicule Him. It was Nehemiah. He started giving the finger and saying, Hey, oh, mama, you know, that type of stuff. No. What does he do? He prays, right? He prays. Hear, O oh, our God, for we are despised. Yeah, that's how Zambella's treating them. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. So he's wishing the same thing on these people as what happened to Israel. Because of their sin, they were taken into captivity for 70 years. And he goes on, Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So he's saying, Don't even forgive them. Uh, like the imprecatory psalms. <laughs> you read an imprecatory psalm where the psalmist is just... You know, raging at somebody. <laughs> you know, maybe not the best way to do it, but that's what he said. Uh, but again, you've got to realize that back in that day, really, uh, the areas around Jerusalem, God had said, you need to wipe these people out because they are so incredibly wicked and they will make you turn against me. So he's praying what God had already said uh, would happen. Verse 6, so we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. They had gotten half of the work done. You know, a football game, halftime is important because you can come out of halftime and create new momentum uh, for your team. If things aren't going well, that can be a, a turning point. And this was a turning point for the people who were building the walls, we'll see here. In a little bit. But the people had a mind to work. That means they had a heart to work. They were committed in every way to get this building up. Because they were doing a great work 
for God. And friends, I want to remind you that we're doing a great work for God here at Springbrook. God has allowed us to be a part uh, of the salvific process and the discipleship process uh, and the service process. I was talking to a 19-year-old kid, Nate Tijerina, uh, a couple weeks ago, and he was cleaning up in the atrium. And I said, who recruited you to do this? And he said, well, I just listened to your message about a month ago, and you said people should serve. Well, here I am. <laughs> Isn't that great? A 19-year-old responding to the Word of God and getting engaged like that. That encourages me. No doubt about it. And friends, uh, with the addition of uh, Gary Woodoff as our worship director and Matt, Matt Johnson as our youth pastor, I really believe that we have one of the strongest staffs we've ever had at Springbrook. Now, we've got great staff people, but there's a, a mix to it. And I, I'm more excited than ever in terms of what these people can do for you, how they can minister to you and train you for the gospel and discipleship. In fact, Kevin and Julie Hemsley were with us I don't know, six years or so. Uh, they moved recently. They were called the Colorado. And uh, they were <laughs> just a great couple. And uh, I was asking, can you come up and share? And I said, I don't feel comfortable with that. So she made a video uh, for us. And I want you to listen closely and listen to the path of discipleship that she went down. I just wanted to send a thank you to Springbrook Church um, from the Hemsley family for everything that you've done for us the last several years. Um, We're so grateful for you. And those of you that know me, um, you've probably heard my story because I love to share it. I like to tell everyone how awesome God is and how amazing it is when you give your life over to him. Um, We were those people that um, were far far to reach. I mean, I used to drive by Springbrook and, and on Sunday mornings and roll my eyes and be like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I'm not those people in there wasting my Sunday morning getting brainwashed. So we were really far removed from God. Um, we grew up, both my husband and I grew up in a super religious background, but we did not understand who Jesus was, grace or his mercy. And so in our 20s, we turned our backs on anything organized religion and we decided, you know what, we're going to do life our way. And that's what we did. We pursued what the world told us. Um, We needed to pursue jobs, money, houses. We had our kids. We had our pets and we had our stuff and our vacations. Um, But you know what? I was still left empty and still left um, seeking more. I just, I didn't know quite what it was. But God is so awesome and faithful, and he pursued us the whole time, and he perfectly placed us in this house in Huntley 10 years ago. And it took a couple years and lots of prayers from Springbrook, but my neighbors loved us um, to Christ. Um, They showed me who Christ was just by loving me and being kind and considerate. And then sharing who he was. And um, the first thing that happened was when my kids started going to Awanas, I remember thinking, oh, my goodness, what are they learning over there? I don't know if I like them going to Awanas. I better figure out who this Jesus is. And, of course, when I started seeking out who Jesus was, I mean, God was right there ready and waiting. And what I learned was when I educated myself um, was that Jesus is who he says he is. And he fulfilled all of these Uh, prophecies in the Old Testament, which means that the Bible had to be the true word of God, like all these prophecies fulfilled, and that 
he came down, God came down perfectly, and he gave us his son who died and shed his blood, his innocent blood, for me. And that I was full of sin, and I think for the first time in my life, I realized that I had sin. And that I needed him. And that I didn't know how it was going to look, but I was ready to give my life to him. And it was uh, supernatural. And the Holy Spirit took over. And um, he took my heart of stone, and he made it a heart of flesh, just like his word promises. And it's been amazing. My my life was transformed. And what's cool is that um, Springbrook was part of it. So God did the transformation, but Springbrook stepped in and discipled me. And right away I needed to do a Christianity 101 class. I needed to relearn all the junk that I had been taught. Um, then I also took a spiritual gifts class because um, I realized I needed to figure out what my gifts were. And I joined um, women's ministry in the fact that I joined a small group. And for the first time in my life, I was around women that were supportive and loving. And I learned how to pray. And I learned um, how God answers prayers. And I relearned who God was and that he is this amazing God who loves us and yearns for us and how he pursued me and my family um, until I said yes. And I just i am so grateful for that. I get a chance to serve with the teen ministry. And um, I'm just so grateful for Springbrook, um, for all the prayers. You were part of praying for me before I even knew I needed prayers. Um, I'm thankful for the people that are amongst you. I'm thankful for everything that you've done in helping us in our journey. And I just um, will keep praying for you. And I'm, I just wanted to say thank you from my family to yours. Wow. <laughs> that was so beautiful because she talked about how God used Springbrook to disciple her. She and her husband, Kevin, were far from God, and they ran by the church, and all those kooks, you know, that type of thing. And, and, but then uh, her neighbors started to get involved in her life, like Cheryl Kai. Cheryl Kai was a key person that God used that goes to Springbrook in leading Julia to the Lord. And then they came out to Awana, and then they eventually came out to church, and uh, she became a Christ follower, and then she joined a small group, and then she went to Christianity 101, and, and she learned to pray and all that stuff. That's what we're all about, about building disciples. And that was just a, such a beautiful summary Oh, we want to replicate over and over and over and over again. And as we move into this new chapter of our ministry, what we're seeking to do is to drill down on discipleship. Now, to this point, we've kind of had a buffet ministry where we have all these different things going on. And, hey, come out. We'd love to have you. That type of thing. You kind of pick and choose. But we're moving toward more of a spiritual pathway. So if you become a Christ follower, uh, we have things that you can do, uh, classes you can go to, experiences that you can have, relationships that you can foster. So, so there's a path. So when a person becomes a Christ follower here at Springbrook, we will have a plan for them that will help them specifically grow into more of a stronger disciple for Jesus Christ. And we're really excited about this because that's what we're here for. Go and make disciples of all nations. And that's what we want to do. Uh, so I, I just want to encourage you to, to, to give your heart 
to God through Springbrook and say, God, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to fit in. This is where I want to serve in order that I might be part of the discipleship process and pray, right? Pray and persist. Prayer, prayer and persistence. Verse 7, But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that they were repairing the walls of Jerusalem, was going forward, and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. Now you have all the different uh, nations that are around Israel. They're all ticked. And now Jerusalem really is surrounded. It's surrounded by people who don't want them to rebuild the wall. So people are hearing all these reports coming in about uh, what they're planning. Nehemiah 4.8, then they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. Friends, whenever God is at work in an individual's life, in a family's life, in a church's life, there's going to be opposition. It isn't like our new plans for discipleship, and He'll do everything to discourage us. Because, again, He doesn't want Jesus Christ to be glorified in every way. And we can expect that there will be opposition, just as there's been opposition for the last 20 years. It's the nature of bringing Jesus to people. Sometimes that gets messy, and you know. But it's the most wonderful thing uh, to be involved in. What did uh, Nehemiah do? Prayed, right? And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. So we prayed and then we set up a guard. Pray, persistence. And persistence is so important because it's easy to get discouraged. Uh, and you start out with something and you say, well, this is really going to be great and I'm going to work really hard at this. And all of a sudden, you know, your motivation drops like we see in Nehemiah 4, 10 through 11. In Judah it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. So this is kind of the rumor mill going, going around. People are listening, talking to each other. And they say, hey, Everybody's getting weaker. Well, that wasn't the case, obviously, but that's how this, these type of rumors go. There's too much rubble. Now, what do you mean there's too much rubble? Before you guys were going at it, you you went halfway through the wall, and now you say there's too much rubble? What happened to you? Well, Satan got all of them, and you, Sam Ballot, and all his friends discouraged them. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. You know, they're right. We can't do it. We're just a bunch of average people. And our enemies said they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. So this is really getting serious. Now, you've got to remember that these were just regular people. They weren't construction workers. In fact, the... The career that was mentioned the most was perfumers. Now, the perfumers will do a good job on that wall. <laughs> so they were just like us. You know what happens is, is that we get easily discouraged when God is starting to do something new in our life. And all of a sudden, it goes haywire. What's going on? Yeah, you know, tribulation will come. 
Opposition will come when you're trying to do anything for God. We have to accept it. And we need to pray and persist. And persistence is so important. Because again, you can have all the motivation you want, but if you're not actively moving down the field with persistence, you're not going anywhere. You know, it's so easy uh, to become discouraged. We all experience it in life. Maybe you're experiencing discouragement today. Discouragement in a relationship. It doesn't seem to be working. Discouragement in a child who's rebelling. Discouragement in a marriage that's not as healthy as it should be. Discouragement in a job. Your supervisor, whatever. Might not have a job. You're looking for a job. It can cause a lot of discouragement. Yeah. We're weak people. And uh, we can be strong sometimes, but uh, when those voices start going in our heads, like, oh, it can never be done, and I'm not strong enough, and all that type of thing. Now, how do you confront discouragement? Now, you pray, and you persist, right? So what you do is you feed on Scripture. The more trouble in, the you trouble you're in, the more you should feed on Scripture. Oh, this was some more problem. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said, said to us, ten times, you must return to us. These are people living in the suburbs. You know, they really didn't want to get involved and, you know, the whole rebuilding stuff and they're in all these rooms. Hey, ten times they came. Ten times. Over and over and over and over and over again. And isn't it just like people we're trying to discourage you. Isn't that like your thought life? You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You become fearful. You become fearful because there's too much uncertainty in your life. And what you forgot to do is to look to Jesus. Look to God for your hope. Oh, you know, really, I don't like God's stuff. But I'm in real trouble here. Well, God can really help you. But you've got to continue to pray and call on Him. What happens is the clouds of uncertainty, the clouds of discouragement, keep us from seeing the sun, right? So what do you got to do? You've got to ask God to move some of those clouds out of the way so you can see God for who He really is. Because if you're discouraged, there's a good chance... That your opinion about God is not the greatest. Because I'm suffering here. What's going on? But you need to do the exact opposite of what you're thinking. You need to say, no, I've got to get my perspective back. I need to think about God. Like Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How many people have that memorized? Anybody out there? Okay, yeah. Boy, you better memorize it. <laughs> you know? Because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. It's encourage me. And so when I get discouraged, you know, fear not. Again, that's the one thing that 
is able to get inside of us and strangle us. The fear of uncertainty, the fear, whatever it might be, and realize there's no reason to fear because God is your Father. God's going to take care of you. God wants the best for you. Now, it might not be your plan for your life, but He is going to protect you. He is going to empower you. He's going to help you. He's going to uphold you. And that's what you need to think about during discouraging times. You don't feel like thinking about it, but you better think about it because you've got to get your perspective back and realize how awesome God is, right? Amen? Amen! Yeah! It's hard. It's hard to think about this stuff when you're discouraged. I, I go through it. Well, yeah, but God, this is a different situation. I don't know if you can handle it. <laughs> no, no, no. No, God can handle anything. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Now, this is really getting intense, right? I mean, before they were just kind of working on the wall and learning how to do stone masonry and that type of thing. But all of a sudden, now they got people who are trying to attack them. From that day on, half of my servants worked on construction and half held the spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah who were building on the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand <laughs> and held his weapon with the other. So you got a trowel and a shotgun <laughs> or a spear, <laughs> you know. Isn't that crazy? I mean, half of them were defending the city from these people who were making all these threats. And then the other half was actually working on the wall. What, what, you know, the, what I want to make so clear this morning is, friends, we can have burdens in our lives. And they, just, they seem to go on and on, year after year after year, and say, God, what's going on here? Are you going to give me a break from this? We don't know because we don't know God's will. But we do know that if we pray and we persist and draw closer to God, we pray and persist. We continue to do things to try to solve whatever the issue might be. But we got prayer going. Pray and persist. Pray and persist. That God will give you the coping strength. That you need. He will give you the peace that you need. Your, your life still might be way out of whack, but He's putting the pieces back together. Sometimes it takes a while. Now, this was a charge that I skipped over that Nehemiah gave to his people, and I love this verse. Oh, it's awesome. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. That sounds like Braveheart, right? Do not be afraid of them. That was their problem. They were afraid. Oh, we can't do it. There's too much work to do, you know. And we're never going to get it done. And they're going to kill us. Stop it! Do not be afraid. You have a great God. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Are you down today? Well, I encourage you to take this chapter when you go home and pray through it and remember who God is because you might have forgotten. You might have forgotten about His love. 
You might have forgotten about his mercy. You might have forgotten, you know, oh, he's your dad. You know, he's going to carry you through. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He was reminding them of why they were there. And why they were doing what they were doing. And sometimes we forget about that. We think this life is about having everything go our way. Having our dreams fulfilled. Having our needs satisfied. If that's not happening, something's wrong. Well, I tell you what. That's not the way to approach it. You are here to glorify God. You are here to glorify Him through your life. In fact, the more trouble you have, the more you can glorify Him. Right? Because you can keep responding with love and we keep responding with trust in Him. We've got to see the sun. We've got to get the, the discouragement clouds out of the way. See that He's great and awesome. And then we need to fight. Life is a fight. Life is a struggle. There's a supernatural struggle going on for your heart. Satan wants to bring you down, discourage you, take you out, whatever way. But God, oh, he wants to empower you and help you to walk even in the darkest of times with him. And we just have to keep on fighting every day. Oh, no, another day. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. Lord, I, oh, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Life can be consuming, can it? But because of His great love, we are not consumed. His compassions, they never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How many know that verse, huh? Yo! Oh, man, come on, guys. You've got to memorize these verses. This is just good stuff. It's going to help you. You need to have these verses in your mind. So when those discouraging thoughts come up, I say, Oh, a great and awesome God! Might be real tough right now, but He's still great and awesome, and He loves me. Loves me. And we need to fight. We need to fight for this church. We need to say, this is our church. And we're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to serve. We're going to continue to love. Continue to give because we believe in what God is doing through this family. This new vision of building even stronger disciples. And we might get discouraged at times, but that's okay. Because that's what God guaranteed, that I get discouraged. That's why i got to look back up at Him. And you need to fight for your kids. Fight for your kids. How do you fight for your kids? You pray and persist. You pray and persist. You pray for them. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would watch over my son Brian. I love him so much. And, Lord, I know the most powerful thing I can do is pray for him. Even though I might not regularly talk to him, Lord, I can pray for him every day. I pray that you would bring him a wife. 
I pray that you would bring the woman that you want into his life. I pray you'll be with him with all the pressure that he has in school. I pray in any discouragement that he will turn to you. That is fighting for your children. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would protect my sons from the evil in this world. That 20-something period is so critical. And where life can get off track so much, I just pray that you would protect their minds and their eyes from Satan, from Satan would want to do to them. Please, Lord, please. That's fighting for your children. When you discipline your children, you're fighting for them. I hate disciplining kids. This takes so much energy, you know, and you love a kid. And you, but you're fighting for them when you say, no, you can't do that. No, you can't hang out with that group. No. And, and you're thinking, oh, I'm really negative. Well, yeah, you are, because you're fighting for your kids. They need all the protection that they can get. They need of all a church experience that they can get. And they need to see God like you see God. So that when they, as they grow, will be able to know how to approach life. I love this verse. When our enemies had heard that it was known to us and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. Satan comes on full force sometimes, but then he withdraws, right? Because he knows, well, I'm not getting anywhere there. I'll come back. Don't worry about that. But at the same time, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, what a great passage. So many wonderful ones here in Nehemiah. Lord, I pray you be with all of us and the personal discouragements that we share. I pray for my friends who have not memorized those verses and... I'm so excited about encouraging them because they are going to have the Word of God in their hearts. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not dismay. Do be dismayed because I am your God. I will strengthen and help you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. I pray that they would own that verse. Become part of their hearts. Because, Lord, you said, yeah, you're going to be discouraged. That's guaranteed. But how we respond to it, we need to pray and persist. Pray and persist. Pray and persist. In Christ's name, amen.